Welcome to Second Shot, everybody. Today we're talking about taking a second shot at your relationship. And we found the woman who helps other people in their relationships, but today she's talking about her own second shot, how she repaired her own marriage. So welcome in, everybody. Let's get to it. On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchando. Okay, welcome Beth Reader Johnson to Second Shot. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here too. We also have producer Matt in the house. Yes, hello. Oh. In the Second Shot Closet. With the in. pumpkin. With a pumpkin. Yeah, you can kind of see it here. Uh, pumpkin. I'm very festive in here. I like to decorate. <laughs> and the ladder and the clocks. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, all, it's all part of the milieu that is Second Shot Sit Down. So Matt's going to be weighing in today as well. And this is a little bit different than our normal Second Shots because we're giving you guys some super tangible stuff, like step-by-step step, repairing the relationship. And let me give you Beth's credentials so you know I'm not just bringing in anybody. So she is a licensed psychiatric social worker and individual family and couples therapist. She has more than 17 years of experience. She's also a certified Imago therapist trained to help couples communicate, resolve conflict, and reconnect. And couldn't we all use that? So she also earned her master's degree at Boston College. She is a board-approved supervisor who's actually recognized to train other therapists. She has had her ups and downs in her own relationship. And what's special about this interview today is that she's not just telling all of us how to do it, but she's also open to talking about really the changes she and her husband made. And that's unique because a lot of people like to stand up on high and tell the rest of us how to do it without sharing their own story. So Beth, thank you for being open to doing that. Oh, I'm happy to be here. This is fun. So before we get into it, our franchise question for all of the second shot sit downs is really to talk about get to know you the best way we know how, which is tell me three people that you would like to meet and why. Three people living that you would like to do a sit down with. Okay. The first would be Oprah. I've loved Oprah since I was little. Um, I feel like I watched, grew up watching the Oprah Winfrey show. And I Same. just feel like if I could have a weekend, I don't just want to meet her. I really want a weekend with Gail and with Oprah. <laughs> she doesn't and ask I, for much And people. I just want to be, you know, in there. And she's gotten to interview and know so many people. Yeah. And she's just got so much wisdom. And still with her Super Soul Sundays. Yeah. I'm just constantly impressed with how she's trying to push us forward in terms of our consciousness. Oh. I agree. Okay, so, that's a good one. So, so are Oprah and Gail your first two? No, Oprah. I, I, I'm one, gonna but let, Gail's going to go. Gail's <laughs> just going to have to be there on with us. And then probably the second, which might be there with Oprah too, would be Bre Brene Brown. Okay. Um, I learned about Brene Brown in 2012 or 13, mm -hmm. whenever her first uh, TED Talk came out, and I was so blown away at her vulnerability so TED Talk. And I think as we're moving forward, it's so interesting because as a culture, we've got some people who are acting in ways that I kind of can't fathom. Mm -hmm. They're being kind, unkind to each other and 
saying really outrageous things. But on the flip side of that, the other side of that coin is I think some people are really pushing themselves to be extra kind and vulnerable. And I think she's leading the charge on helping people figure out how to really maintain connection as well Mm -hmm. and put themselves out there in healthy ways, not just for attention or something like that on social media, but really fostering connection. Really get into it. Okay. Who's number three? And number three is Dax Shepard. And again, interesting. Okay. Tell me about that. Um, I am just really impressed. I grew up in Texas. I grew up here in Dallas and I'm not used to men being very vulnerable Mm -hmm. and I don't know him. Obviously I just know him kind of through his podcast, um, armchair expert. And I just love it because I feel like he has opened the floodgates for men being more vulnerable, talking about their mistakes and how they've had comebacks and really expressing that. You know, I think women are open to sharing and being there for one another, but I think he's doing that and he's doing that in his interviews. And I'm very impressed with that. I love it. Okay. So now we know a little bit more about Beth, who's going to be really kind of teaching us and educating us today. And listen, all these interviews for me are selfish. Because I want to, like, I want to hear the information. I want to learn what, what, what you have to say and, 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 you know, connect all of you with these resources too. But I do want to kind of reverse a little bit and talk about what was going on in your own life that sort of prompted you to research this topic of, of second shots at marriage and second shots at relationship. Yeah. I, you know, my husband and I both went to grad school after we were married and he actually got into school and then I followed, I applied in the same city Uh where he was already going. And so that's how I ended up at Boston college. I was looking at BCBU, different schools in Boston. And you guys got married pretty young, right? We did. We did. I was 24 and he was 25. Um, which is silly. (laughs) I would say wait a little bit. We were engaged after six months of dating, Uh which I don't recommend. I think people should probably date at least a year. Um, I'm glad that it's worked out, but I think we didn't have the tools and I don't think many of us do. I think if you came from a two parent household where they were able to resolve conflict right in front of you in a really healthy way, then you know how to problem solve yourself. Neither Scott nor I came from that. Um, I love both my Most people don't. Matt, would you say that's something you saw growing up? Um, well, you know, I mean, I came from a a uh, a good house you know my parents were married they still are married um but i wouldn't say i necessarily saw them solving a whole lot of conflict in front of me you know i definitely i can remember times and it wasn't a bad upbringing but i can remember times when they were stressed out about money or or other things like that but it was always like we're going to talk about this in the back bedroom or we're going to talk about this i don't know whenever he's away at his friend's house or something like that i didn't see a whole lot of uh conflict resolution i think maybe some of that's because my mom is just, you know, what you would consider to be, I mean, she was a librarian. She was like the the nicest, most wholesome mom you can imagine. So I don't know that they enjoyed having that kind of stuff out in the open. Sure. So, so to your point, Beth, yeah, I think a lot of us just, you know, would say great upbringing, but that exact conflict management wasn't something that we saw. Right. I don't think either you have parents that bickered and you kind of don't like it, or you have parents where you didn't see a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had clients, because half my practice is teenagers, half as adults and couples. And so I've had people come in and say, my parents never even fought and they're getting a divorce. I don't even know how this happened. Mm-hmm. So I think you're exactly right. A lot of times we just, you know, and we're not teaching that in school, which I could go into why I think that would be a great thing to teach, which is what I call relationship wellness skills, which I think would be super handy. But I didn't have that. Um, So what what, what was the status of your marriage at this point? So in the beginning, we had a great time. 
we, um, we traveled, we lived in New York city. Then we moved to Boston. Then we moved back to New York. Then we moved back to Dallas. Then he got into graduate school. Then I applied and got into graduate school, but our school timings were off. Okay. Um, he got into a program that had a January start, which is weird and went through the summer and then a full school year. It was the last time that school did that. But anyway, so it was basically 18 months and mine didn't start till the following fall. So that second year I flew back and forth 19 times on American Airlines. So you were living separate. We were living lives. separately. Yes. And it, it, we ha- were under a great deal of stress. Um, I think financially it was mm-hmm. a lot of strain. And I also just think we were not good at communicating with each other. And we got angry and resentful about different things on both sides. And I think we didn't handle it well. And I can say specifically, I didn't handle it well. You know, I had watched people get mad at each other and yell and slam doors growing up. And that I tried that approach. And guess mm-hmm. what? Scott did not want to come to the table and sit down with me when I was yelling or stomping my feet <laughs> right. or slamming doors. Yeah. Right? So he didn't want to deal with that. So that was when my mom said to me, hey, I, you know, the guy with the funny name, Harville Hendricks, he's married to my friend Helen. He was on Oprah. And why don't you get his book? So I got his book and I just gotten out of grad school at this point. So I was like, oh my gosh, I know about Imago therapy. Let me see what this is and found us an Imago therapist. So we went ourselves. So you, so you started going to Imago therapy and then it helped you and then you became knowledgeable in it and then became certified in it. Is that sort of right? That is how it went. I, in the beginning I was doing, when I was in Boston, I was seeing kind of everyone, but when I got to Dallas, I was seeing more children and adolescents. Mm -hmm. And so many of the problems I was seeing were stemming from couples who were just having this kind of toxic home environment or yelling at each other. It was really stressful for the kids. They would bring in this anxious child, but really it was the couple who needed help. So, Oh gosh, I hate hearing that. But yeah, um, so it was, it was nice to be able to think, okay, this is maybe a way I can make a difference. And I can say to people in my practice, you know, it's okay to struggle. Conflict is the normal undercurrent of every relationship. I would tell every new couple that, you know, you're not, you're not doing it wrong. If it's hard every once in a while, it's okay to see Mm -hmm. the world and see things differently. And we're also a product of how we grew up. So unless we grow up our skills, our coping skills, our communication skills, we kind of don't know what we're doing. Right. And I had to, even after I just finished my graduate work, say, I might be good at helping other people, but I don't know what I'm doing. And so I need to go back and get the skills. Oh, yeah. So that's bingo right there. I think so many people feel like, oh, I, I should know what I'm doing in this arena, so I'm not going to get help. Right. Right. And then it just crumbles. Did you ever think that your marriage would end? Yeah. That it would not last? I was worried. Yeah. Um, we went to the first marriage therapist. I can't even remember his name, so uh-huh. I can't talk bad about him. But it was pretty <laughs> dismal. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like what you see on TV with two people sitting on the couch, um, like just basically saying the other person sucks. Uh-huh. You know, and we walked out of there and we were like, uh-oh. Right. Right. Like, like, like he didn't help us. And no, now no. what are and we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? Well, something that I've found to be, Heath and I talk a lot in the other version of the podcast about, you know, about being open to, to getting help. I almost feel like it's kind of shopping. Like you've got to find your right match. But what happens is people get discouraged on that one or two bad ones from the get go. And then they quit because they think it's not for them. Right. Well, right. And you this, kind of have and to keep, keep going. Keep and that's shopping. really why I wanted to do it. Also, I thought, there's not a lot of people doing this in a way that I feel like is really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there is a group of therapists, um, Harville Hendricks. And it's funny because Harville Hendricks, uh, somebody asked me that question one time before about 
10 years ago who I'd want to meet. And Harville was on my list. Yeah. But now I know him and he lives in Dallas. Check, check. Yes. So. She did it. That's why I love speaking things into existence. Th- right. So next time it's going to be Oprah and Gail. Yeah, right. And, you know. Brene and we're just yes. going to all have like a sit-in together. Yes. Yeah. So, but Harville and I, I've gotten to work with him and Helen LaKelly Hunt on their project, Safe Conversations, here in okay. Dallas. And they are in a group called Relationships First with John Gottman, with Sue Johnson, with oh, these great. Dan Siegel and some of these people that are just leaders in our field. And so they're all sharing information. And it's just, I feel like if you're using one of those methods, you're really going to people that are tried and true. Uh-huh. Because if someone is just letting you sit there and talk bad about the other person, it's not helping you. Right. That negativity does not help you. And in our model, the couple faces each other. And it's a very, it's a dialogue process where you are guiding them on how to have a better conversation. Okay. Because you can say anything you want to say with kindness and respect. Right. So the other person doesn't just leave more broken than no. they showed up. No. Yeah. In fact, and I teach people using appreciation. So I teach them to use the model, knowing how to also th- say nice things to each other. So you mentioned, you know, just kind of a little blip, you think that there should be education before marriage. So let's talk to our audience who maybe is not married currently or not in a relationship currently, or is perhaps getting out of one, hoping to, you know, start things off better the next time. Right. Let's talk about preparing for marriage. What what should we do? I mean, what's, what's the step? What's the process that a couple should do if they want to get into this thing and they want it to work? Because we know so often it doesn't. Right. Well, I can think of a few things that will really help. First of all, just knowing that conflict is normal okay. is is so helpful. What a because, relief. Right. Because you're right? like, okay, I'm not doing it wrong. You know, we all go through three stages. According to Imago, everybody goes through a romantic love phase and then a power struggle. And then hopefully get we get to a conscious marriage where we understand the other person, but we also understand their differences and we're not fighting against them. We we get them and we accept them and we move forward. Does Is it often that it just ends in the... In the- Power struggle? That's where 50% That's, of marriages yeah. end. Okay. Right. Because okay. they don't know how to get past that point where they think, you know, you were supposed to complete me. I hate that line. But you were, you right. Know, That's right. That movie set no. us up for failure, oh, you guys. Movie, if I could delete, um, and you know, I love, I mean, I love all those actors. I'm not, but that movie, that line of that movie, if I could take something out of the human culture. Personally, I think it's a relief to hear that that's not supposed to happen. We are not that, supposed to complete each other. Yeah, yes. yeah, you got to yeah, be we could put that like on a, a standalone, right? A standalone good as yourself structure. Well, and the other thing is, we don't want to be that egocentric to uh. think that somebody else's job is to make sure I'm okay. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be supporting and loving and taking care of each other, like other relationships, like friendships, but we're not supposed to be, they're not just here mm-hmm. for us. And it's when that shift happens. So we've got to get to the, the conscious okay. relationship. So let's talk about the, you've got these five marriage tools right. that can establish a healthy marriage slash relationship, starting with inviting your partner to engage and asking is now a good time. That's, <laughs> that's the key. I will tell you, if you do not want to get in a fight, mm-hmm. if you think, God, sometimes when we first start talking, we get in a fight, just start asking, hey, I've got something to talk to you about. Is now a good time. Okay. Just one little thing. Okay. Because I'm bound in the house. I'm like a little kid sometimes, a little hyper, full of energy. My husband's a little bit lower key, and he's working on his computer, and I'm like, and he's like, hey, can you see that I'm working? And that is an irritant for him. Right. Whereas if I bounded in and played with the dog and then I knocked quietly on his office door and said, Hey, is now a good time to talk? And he was like, Oh, I've got two emails to finish. I'm almost through, but then I'd love to be with you. Then I feel good that he just said he'd love to be with me. And he feels good. Like I've respected his time and his space. Okay. So we're asking first, 
then check in if you start to feel upset. What is the, what, what do you mean by that specifically? Well, we all have a story we tell ourselves. Our thoughts are basically the story we tell ourselves. So if I make this face, you could think, oh my gosh, strange guest, she's angry. Or I'm about <laughs> to sneeze, right? Yeah. You don't really know what's going on inside someone else's head. So it's just asking, hey, I'm feeling like something's off with you or is everything okay? I'm just checking. And you can even go so far as to say, I'm worried you're mad at me. But is that right? Did I get that? Because okay. instead of... As opposed to accusatory. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's what... <laughs> so so that's what Jenny needs to work on. Right. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you're getting... I, I, I would say, oh, I see you're getting mad at me, which would then infuriate the other person. Right. Because then they're like... Because what's happened like, is if you've got a hula hoop, it's like I've stepped in your hula hoop and I'm telling you how you feel. Okay. okay. As opposed to I'm curious. And then it's easier for you to not get defensive and be like... No, I'm, I'm totally fine. In fact, I was thinking about this thing. I can't decide what I'm going to do about my schedule. Like, they've got something totally else going on. It has nothing on. to do with you. Yeah, it has nothing to do with you. Okay, so then you talk about mirroring, validating, and using empathy. This is the model. This okay. is the Amado, Amago model. Okay, you guys, we're getting it here, so focus in. Well, and it's... Looking at you too, Matt. <laughs> oh, I, I need to hear it, absolutely. <laughs> and I know it. I, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but... I, I do that thing where you were just talking about where anytime my wife is upset, I just assume it's because of me. Right. And I immediately start saying, what did I just, what did I do? And that just upsets her even more. Right. Well, and sometimes if you yeah. say it in a defensive way, right? Well, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. It's, it's hard. So the okay. mirroring is just reflective listening or so what I'm hearing you say. And what I would recommend is, you know, there are books on this if someone wants to do it at home. If someone wanted to email me, I could put something up. It's not It's not a secret. Okay. It's, it's really that whatever you're trying to say, you want to have it. I like to tell new couples, think of you're writing a thesis about whatever you want to say. Your opening sentence and three supporting things. And so you're going to say it in short enough bites where your partner can mirror it back. Okay. So instead of two people talking at each other and interrupting, or I'm just thinking of what I'm going to say next, mm. and, oh, are you done yet? This is, I realize I'm going to. Put my brain on pause. I'm going to try to really bridge over to Scott's island. You know, if we're islands in the streams flowing uh-huh. together, I'm going to bridge over to his island. I'm going to hear all of what he has to say. Did I get that? And then the magic question, is there more? And then when there's no more, I give him a summary. I tell him what he said makes sense. That's the validation. Okay. And then I empathize. So based on what you're saying, I'm imagining you feel this. Did I get that? Or is there are there other feelings? And then once you completely understand your partner's message, then you switch and you start again with the validation. Again, I really get what you're saying. And then I he see, does it to you. And then, but I see this a little differently. On my island, it looks like this. And then okay. he mirrors back. And some people don't like the island analogy. That just works in my head. But then he, then he mirrors back. And it's, it's his turn to just listen. He doesn't add in. He doesn't say thank you. And what happens is when you're discussing something really hard, I mean, I almost get chills, but what I've seen in my office is a fight that people may have had 15, 20 times. All of a sudden, they really hear each other and listen. And then whatever comes up isn't so hard. I mean, all of a sudden, then the solution isn't that hard. I mean, I even had a, you know, a, an Imago therapist workshop one time, and he was talking about how frustrated he was with his wife because she left shoes all over the house. And so when they dialogued it and he learned that as a kid, she was always taking care of everybody and doing everything. And her mom had to go off to work and was a single mom. He thought, 
maybe it's my pleasure, my honor to get to pick up her mm-hmm. shoes. Maybe she needs somebody to take care of her. Oh, you know, and he so just sweet. flipped it because he felt such empathy. Even if you don't want to pick up your wife's shoes or your husband's right. underwear or whatever, the idea of having empathy and getting curious about your partner instead of just mad and defensive leads to a solution. Because okay. people are always asking me, is there going to be a solution? I'm like, I promise you, when you do this, the solution presents it, itself. It comes. Yeah. Okay, so to me, the obvious question on this is, what do you do if the other person is not interested in engaging in this type of dialogue with you? So, I mean, that's that's tricky. I think in my office, usually I have people who want to come and people who are drugged there. You know, mm-hmm. usually there's one person who really wants couples counseling and the other one who's like, I- I'm not sure I want this. I will tell you, because it's so different, most of the time, and they're sitting in my office, they kind of do it. They just do it. And it's often the person who drugged the other person that has the harder time listening. The one that talks more in the relationship has to really learn how to listen. So the other person who thought they weren't going to like it really likes it because they're being heard. Is there a point of no return? Oh, such a tough question. My grandmother always said, unless you're in somebody's better under it, it's hard to, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard to know. Yeah. Um, I feel like people who have affairs and are not remorseful and continue the affair leaves the other person not a lot of options. Sure. Sometimes they've come and I've said the affair has to be over before we can start the work. And they're like, oh, it's over. It's over. And then if we find out it really isn't over, that's troubling. Um, I would say people that are struggling with addiction, that has to be managed first. Okay. Right. It doesn't mean the marriage is over, but that has to be handled before we can move into any type of couples counseling because it's just unless both people are in, in kind of a healthy place. Sure. And I would say the same with an eating disorder, yeah. anything big going on. Yeah. No, th- I think that's really good because because initially you hear, okay, it really does take both parties, but there are some instances where one person has to take a little bit of ownership yeah. um, over whatever's going on personally so that they can work on the relationship oh, and, and I've, it's not I've, all for naught. Right. I've recommended people go to yeah. to rehab and then they go to rehab and we come back and we have great couples counseling. Okay. So say somebody's listening and they, they feel like they've gone rogue. Like they feel like they need to get back on track. Like they, they want the relationship to work, but it is so far off to the side. I know you've got kind of a five point process. We're going to get through a couple of them before our, our break here. Um, you know, what, what do we do? What, what, what's step one? Step one is really those communication tools. Okay. I mean, I feel like if you can't do anything else with your marriage, if you can ask if, first of all, it's better not to talk. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. be honest. If you're going to say something unkind uh-huh. or unnice and you just feel like I can't stand you right now, you may need to get your own work, you know, or okay. journal or watch some TED Talks or listen to some podcasts yep. or do what you need to do to kind of get yourself into a better place. And don't speak things that you can't take back. So I would start with that. Like, And then you're just going through, I'm going to try to use my new skills, right? Because what we have to do is get the negativity out of a relationship. The only way I think of it, like, if you and I were the couple, there's a sacred space between us. That space between a couple gets junked up. Uh It gets junked up when we're like, get in the car, we've got to go. You know, just anytime we're short or sharp or or impatient or things that happen to us all in everyday life. What, you didn't pick up the dry cleaning? I've got a big day tomorrow. I thought you were going to get it. You know, just all that little stuff. So we have to constantly work on repair. So if we scoop that negativity out, what are we going to put back in? 
Okay. So we're going to put back in acts of kindness. We're going to put in caring behaviors. We're going to put in things that we do. You know, I have couples do a list like, I feel loved when. Because the golden rule is, I'm going to love you the way I want to be loved. Uh The platinum rule is, I'm going to love you the way you want to be loved. Yeah, I like that because it's hard. Sometimes we do things that we think the other person would like, and it's really not, it's like, it has no currency with them. Right. Right? They ha- it has currency with us, but not with them. So then you're spending all of this love money <laughs> yeah. on something that, that doesn't mean anything to them. Oh, poor Scott. I know. My husband is Scott, and he, my birthdays were a big deal for us growing up. Uh-huh. And I, the first three years of our marriage, we've been married 22 years, so it was, at least it was only three, yeah. brought him breakfast in bed on his birthday. Well, you would think that's a nice, thoughtful thing to do because yeah. I would like it. Uh-huh. Um, he I would didn't, too. He didn't like it. He was like, and he didn't tell you year one. He didn't tell you year two. After year three, he finally was like, honey, I hate this. I really want to sleep in on my birthday. It, first of all, it's not that big of a deal to me. I'd like to sleep in. Then I'd like to wake up and not talk. Then I'd like to have a cup of coffee. Then maybe an hour later we could go to brunch. And do something fun. But, he, you know, this was pre-kids. But, yeah. you know. Right, right. Now, right. now nobody does anything fun. <laughs> and we just have one. But, yeah, we just, yeah, we don't brunch a lot. But. So, okay. The other thing that I, the other takeaway for me from that is not being hurt when the person tells you the thing that you think is good is not good to them. And it's not about you and your intentions. It's about their individual preferences, like their God-given or, who you know, whatever given preferences. We, and I call that accepting the other person's otherness. When you get to that power struggle, every relationship goes from that romantic love into that power struggle, knowing that conflict is normal. It's the normal undercurrent of every relationship. We can solve it. But part of that is I have to move from defensiveness to curiosity. Okay. Who are you? What are you trying to tell me right now? I'm wondering what your wants and your needs. I have to kind of get out of my own head turn off this internal monologue that goes, my psyche that talks at me all the time, and think, I really want to know what's happening with them. And that's why that dialogue process can help you slow down that communication. You can think, I really want to get to know you, but also I just have to accept you. Yeah, this is so good. Okay, Beth, we're going to take a quick break. And then you guys, on the other end of this, I want to find out how do you get out of the power struggle? How do you do it moving forward? We're going to get everybody summed up in the next segment of Second Shot Sit Downs. Really quick break to tell you guys about, and we have been so pumped about this, our new sponsor of the Second Shot podcast. It is myllc.com. So Heath actually introduced me to this company uh, a long time ago because he's been using them for everything. Every time he puts together a new business, he goes there, gets the LLC set up. They send back a little portfolio with everything done. It's legally savvy, legally sound, and put together for you. So if you're somebody who's sort of like thinks that that's the daunting part of a business, which for me, it always has been. MyLLC.com is for real where you want to go. And they're also hooking you guys up with a deal. So write it down. Maybe you're not starting a business today, but maybe you're getting inspired by the interviews. It is this 99MyLLC, which gives you $99 off of a new corporation or LLC. I will also tell you, we definitely price checked before doing this. It is for sure the most affordable option. Heath and I have been using them for years and years. We just adore this company. So myllc.com, and again, the code for $99 off is 99myllc.
We are back with second shot sit downs with Beth Reader Johnson. I mean, really talking about you guys, how to get unstuck in a relationship, how to, how to salvage this thing that at one point was the be all end all, right? I mean, for, for people, when they get married, you think about this beautiful day and all the hope and then just the discouragement that can come, I think down the road for people. So, so my goal with this is that if somebody is kind of like feeling like they're teetering on, I'm about to give up how to kind of rescue that. Okay. And, and you, you talk about the problem pie, a book she's writing. So it's like a little teaser for you guys. Right. Um, but what can we take from that problem pie concept? The problem pie is essentially that we can't try to solve a whole problem. Meaning if you've got a relationship, you've got to figure out what part of the problem is yours and stick to that. Meaning I've seen it work both ways. If somebody tries to take ownership of the whole marriage and say, I can fix this. Well, that won't work. You need two people to fix a marriage Uh or a relationship. Okay. So the other person has to want to, too. Right. Do you have to have two engaged parties? Right. And it, it, it may be that one person is driving the force for a month or two. And then the other person thinks, okay, starts to have hope themselves. Okay. So it doesn't always have to be equal every single step of the way. I think that gives hope for people who feel like the other person doesn't care at all. Right. To at least try. Right. Oh, I'd say, I would say try. I would definitely say try because what I've seen too is when I see people remarried, sometimes they jump out of the fire into the frying pan. But really when you're going to try, you can't fix the other person. That is the key problem. No one wants to be fixed. No one wants to be the other person's project. So when you're looking at the overall pie of your marriage, what is my piece? What's my part? You know, for me, I knew that my anger was the problem. I was yelling at Scott. I was losing my temper and yelling and slamming doors. So I had to really look at how can I stop doing this? Because it is driving him away. Mm -hmm. It is making him want to go into the other room or go in the car and go for a drive. He does not want to engage with me if I'm doing that. So I had to kind of figure out my own calm down plan, which was going to my closet and shaking it all off, (laughs) you know, taking deep breaths, saying a little prayer, reminding myself that I was a grown up and you know, that I could calm myself down, meditating, you know, whatever steps you want to do to take care of your part, but then you come back to the relationship. And I would say there's a lot of people who can't own that. What they stay is they stay in the cycle of blaming the other person. They either take it all on, oh, I'm terrible, I can't do this, or, which is kind of a victim thing, which doesn't work either. Sure, it doesn't work, yeah. Or, you know, well, if he didn't do this and this and this, I could be nice to him. And I'm like, let's just pretend that he wasn't doing those things. And what if you tried to be nice? Because it's like we're all in a dance. And if you change your dance, if I stop stepping on your toes, then you're going to feel less aggravated with me and you're going to be more receptive to whatever I do. I think the hard part for a lot of people is being the person when you're in like a gridlock Mm -hmm. is being the person to take that step. Yeah. Right. Because it's kind of like humbling, like to own your stuff and step out of blaming the other person. But once you do, it sounds like you will hopefully the benefits. Right. I used to have two sticky notes on my mirror. The first one said, if it is to be, it's up to me. Yeah. And the second one said, if I'm blaming comma, I'm wrong. So you guys, if I'm blaming comma, I'm wrong. Yeah. I like the use of the comma, first of all, because it matters, (laughs) but also, yes. I mean, that's so good. I mean, that, that could translate to work relationships and familial relationships in all types. Oh, right. I imagine. Right. Um, Because we all come into this world. We see certain types of relationships play out in front of us. And in Imago, we ask people to look back at their childhood and it's not to blame your parents. It's to just say, this is what was modeled for me. And this is what shaped my existence. And I may have developed some belief systems that actually don't work for me. 
The story I'm telling myself is that you need to yell to resolve an argument. That was a faulty story. So I needed to change that belief in myself and work on myself. And then, you know, I came to the table with this is what I need to work on. And then Scott had to work on his own stuff, you know, that didn't have anything to do with me. And I can't assist in his process. And so, so, so am I, now I'm going to, now I'm going to rephrase and send it back to you to see if I'm understanding correctly. Sure. Is it important for both parts? Is it important for just you to recognize your childhood and past? Or is it important for your partner to recognize your childhood and past? Both Both. you. But right. Because when you're doing the dialogue process, what comes up is say, I send something to you. I'm upset when this happens. And then the therapist would guide you or the script, either one would guide you to say, it makes me feel. And then this reminds me of childhood in that. So if, he does something, and there was a perfect example of this in ours. So Scott wanted me to greet him at the door when we were first married. Okay. Well, actually, first mo- moving back in Dallas. We were in couples therapy. So we were five years married, probably. This is, and I did not want to do it. I thought, <laughs> well, do you want me to dress up like a French maid? And That's immediately where I start thinking, and too. And I was just like, no. <laughs> resistant. Did not want to do it. And so we were in this. But he just, like, wanted you to be happy he was home. Yeah, like the puppy. And so... <laughs> You know, when we were in marriage counseling, what we got to was the reason that he wanted this is Scott was great in school, played sports, did stuff, worked, and very impressive. And But everybody was off watching TV when he got home. Oh. So they were not super excited to see him. They had dinner, and they're on the counter. They were kind of like, hey, hey, dinner's in there for you. It wasn't like they weren't kind. Right. But he really wished that somebody had been there to say, hey, what's your day? Walk me through oh, it. Oh, interesting. You know? Interesting, yeah. So when I hear that, I have such empathy for him. And then when the therapist turned it and asked me what was my resistance, I realized it was from when my dad came home from the car business in the 70s and things were not going so good. Yeah. He was a little grumpy. And so we would give him a little space. He would go and need to cool off I for I think a lot minutes. of us have learned about space when someone gets home. Right. Too. Yeah. I think that yeah. that would probably be a pretty common thing. And if you had never investigated that, you would never know. Right. So this isn't about blaming my dad who needed 30 minutes to calm down or blaming his parents or anything. It's about understanding that this is the way we learned to do when someone comes home. Okay. And he would like it to be done differently than I had it when I was growing up. And it didn't have anything to do with me being subservient. He just wanted us to greet each other and talk about our days. He wanted to hear about mine too. And so, but what had happened is the more I didn't greet him, he got a little grumpier. Well, if he was grumpy, then that, okay. then I could then project spiral. Down. Right. So the marriage counselor was like, hey, you need to make sure to be sweet and you need to try to show up and let's just see what happens. And of course it was wonderful. Oh, that's and, so good. Yeah. And now my son doesn't know any different than when somebody comes in, you jump up and you greet him at the door. We're <laughs> yeah. all puppies. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, okay. I, I can't wait for the problem pie, the book to come out. That's oh, going to be great. But I guess, you know, until then we will hang on to that advice that you gave us. Thank you. Let's talk about what to do after a failed relationship. Um, after a divorce, after a long-term relationship ends, um, you know, so many people who listen to this show, who watch the show are in that situation and trying to navigate it. Um, and I think, you, you know, you, people want to go into it whole, but don't know how. Right. So what's the step? What should people start with? Well, I think the first step is empathy and compassion for yourself. I really think it's not, again, it's not about blaming childhood. It's not about blaming our parents or blame. It's just saying I did the best I could in that Mm -hmm. relationship with the skills I had. 
I mean, I look back and cringe at my little eighth grade boyfriend who I yelled at. I hated that I did that. But <laughs> Beth, you were yelling at everybody. <laughs> I know I was. I was just a mess. Thank goodness I figured it out. Yes. But, but that's why everybody needs a second shot mm-hmm. to figure it's it out, true. right? It's true. But honestly, if you can just give yourself some kindness, give yourself some compassion, have empathy for the fact that you're like, I did the absolute best I could do with what I had. If I want to gain some more skills, go get some. Okay. You know, read a book. Um, Harville Hendricks has books. John Gottman has books. I'm going to have a book. Mm-hmm. There's going, there's books and tools out there to teach you how to be better in a relationship. Yeah. The second thing I would say is back to that problem pie, which is own your part. Okay. Really get a diagram, draw a big circle, and just point to the things in the relationship that you did, not as a way to blame yourself, but just to think, if I can change and tweak these things, I can have a better relationship. I know now, sometimes I still feel like "Mm," I'm getting a little hot under the collar Uh and I'll excuse myself or I'll just think to myself, yelling never works. It has never once worked for me. It's never been effective. No. So why would I try that? That Mm -hmm. doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's reminding yourself that I can change and grow if I can get the tools that I need. And I think that's so important and gives people such hope. You were, you also talk and you mentioned Gottman too, and people who listen to the podcast or have been listening for a while will recognize Heath and I have spoken about that too. Our, our church kind of introduced us to that at a, at a marriage retreat, and now we go to a therapist who's certified in that method, and we found it to be helpful. I think John Gottman is you wonderful. Know, He's really the pioneer researcher that everyone really, else gets their research off of because he talked about that negativity and how negativity absolutely destroys the marriages. Yeah. The other thing with with that is sometimes I think it's beneficial when you are trying to get somebody on board with like, hey, let's get help. Not because I think that this is the end for us, but because I think that we could just really flourish as a couple is talking about the research. Some people are really research based, you know, and I think that some for some folks, all they've ever seen about counseling or therapy is on TV right. and like the couch situation. <laughs> and it just is depressing. It doesn't work and it's depressing. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe that's like a, a tidbit. I, I absolutely agree. Agree. I mean, all those people in that relationship first group have proven methods yeah. of therapy. So John Gottman, Harville Hendricks with Imago, Sue Johnson. I mean, there are methods that you can use that absolutely work. So yeah. I would say to definitely stick with one of those. But, you know, not beating yourself up and understanding that I can get these tools. I think that's the key. And that I don't have to be, look, if everyone came to me two years in before they were in dire distress, they were just like, he's just bugging me a little bit. He just doesn't put his underwear in the hamper. That would be awesome because that's really what we need. I mean, I know a lot of church do churches do the engagement weekend and Uh things like that before people get married, but we should do one at two years. We should do one at four years. And if you get yourself connected to a marriage counselor, go three or four times when you're not in crisis, then you get the skills and you can always go back one or two times if something big comes up, Right. but not being able, afraid to get the help and not moving past that old stereotype that going to counseling was for people who were on the brink. It's a catch-22. Right. It really is because people think once they, they're going, then they're done. So, they, so it's like you don't want to admit that, that you're done or that, that, it's, that you're in crisis mode. So well, if you kind of preempt it on the front end and get connected with somebody, it sounds like that helps. Well, we had so much divorce in my family. I mean, really, that's the thing. My big goal was I want to see if I can stay married. Um, because there have been four generations of women who have been divorced in my family. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we just so really, yeah. yeah. So we, I really wanted to see, can I do this? But I knew I didn't have what I needed to do it. Yeah. I knew I was going to have to get some help. Let's talk about people who feel like they are going to the same person over and over and over again or experiencing the same 
um, you know, like Groundhog's Day in a relationship. Yeah. You know, sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, I'm either going for the same type of man or woman or I'm attracting the same type of man or woman. Why does that happen? Well, I think it's hard. We often go with what is familiar to us. So if you were in, again, a loving two-parent home where people were pretty kind to each other, I mean, kindness is key. Just please and thank you. And will you pass that? If you ever get off track, just think, I'm going to try to go back to being really kind to this person. You know, talking to them like I would talk to the woman checking out at the grocery store, not like, you know, not in this dismissive way. Mm -hmm. So, but if you didn't come from that, say you came from a single household and parents were divorced and they fought a lot and weren't kind to each other, you might not know to look for someone or you might have gotten used to the idea that this is how people treat each other. So again, not to blame your parents, but just if you saw somebody be rude to your mother, your stepfather be rude to your mother, or your father be rude to your mother, you may think, oh, this is how men are, or that's what was modeled to you. So all you need to do is process through that. And again, you can do that with a therapist or you can do that on, this is what I saw growing up. This is what I want for myself now. But if you don't get aware, you're going to keep repeating that cycle over and over. People think therapy is all about digging up all this old stuff for ages and ages. No, it's about an awareness. It's about, you know, I saw a stepdad hit my mom. I never want to be with someone who could do that to me verbally or physically. So I need to really write down what happened Put that in the past and say, this is now what I'm looking for. And anyone shows the least bit sign of that kind of aggression, I'm going to move away from quickly. Right. Yeah. Right. Almost like a like a relationship vision board. It is a relationship you know, vision board. I, I like Perfect. that. I really like that. Beth, this has been so good. And I, I gave you a little bit of a heads up before we did the interview that we've got a couple questions that we're doing in all the second shot sit downs. Um, just... Because we, we're, we're picking people whose perspectives we really value, and this is just kind of out of our own curiosity. So the first one here is this. If you had to choose, would you choose that life be fair or unfair, and why? Well, I would absolutely choose that life would be fair, but I don't think it's possible <laughs> based on what I know about humans. Yeah. Say that you lined up all the humans, and we all had the same size house and the one little car, but what if somebody had a child where the birth didn't go right, then they would feel like their life was unfair. Mm -hmm. Or someone gets in an accident, a car accident, and so their state-issued car gets beat up. Mm -hmm. And they all have the same salary, so then they don't get to go on the vacation that this other one does because they have to fix the car. I'm just not sure that I believe, even in a world, a utopia, where we were all... Right, we were all distributed goods in the same way. And we all had exactly the same, that it would still... Because we, as humans, are collaborative people. This Mm -hmm. is why we've prospered on the Mm -hmm. planet, taken over the planet. Mm -hmm. You know, we can come together and do things, but it's also, we compare ourselves. I try Mm -hmm. to get people to stop comparing themselves because it's really not great. We should stay... That's a whole other episode, Right, that's a whole other episode. But... But yeah, so I would love it if life was fair. I do not think the way our human psyche brain works that that's possible. Yeah. Okay, well, we know that you have the book in the works, but I'm going to pose this other question because I I love to get like this one nugget of advice. So here's the hypothetical. I'm going to give you a book deal, and I'm going to give this book to everybody who needs a second shot. I'm going to get it in their hands. The catch is that the book is only one line. What's the line of your book? What's the one sentence? As soon as you rid your life of blame and shame and criticism, taking out all that negativity, you will be able to own your part and shift everything in your life. And your second, your second shot will be there. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. 
It's a really long sentence, a little bit run on. It is a little bit of a run on. But I will take it and accept it and distribute it, you know, worldwide. We we, we can edit it. I'm I'm here for the book deal and we'll edit it. But own your problems. Yeah. Don't pull your problems off. Don't spend your life blaming and hating other people. We are living in such a strange time. But Mm -hmm. honestly, if you'll just own the part that's yours and not get hung up about what other people are doing or not doing, you will live a happier life. Yeah, that's such a, oh my gosh. And 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 to me, that's a confidence builder to know that really I can't, I do have so much control over my own situation. Right. Right. To own whatever part, you know, in this whole sphere, whatever is on me. To own that part and then move forward. Right, with that's grace. your freedom, yeah. and I think freedom is something more attainable than fair. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Okay, so Beth, where can everybody find you? Is it, you know the the website, the LinkedIn, whatever it is. Okay, all those places. I'm Beth Reader Johnson on um, Instagram. I'm ERJ Counseling on Facebook. I also have ERJCounseling.com. Okay. I'm Beth Reader Johnson on Twitter. So you can find me on all those places. You can always just type in Beth Reader Johnson to Okay, to and it'll be you. Yeah, and it comes up. So <laughs> it'll be her. It'll yes. be me. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, Matt, what do you, do you feel like we are empowered and ready to go? Oh, man, we have to accept the responsibility ourselves. <laughs> I, gosh, I hope so. I know, I know like with any of this stuff, um, hearing it once is not enough. And uh, that's, I think that's what I've learned is. Yeah. You, you sometimes have to hear this stuff over and over and over again until you realize, oh, that's what they meant by that. And that's what that's what they were trying to say. Right. Yeah. yeah it's hard. You know, it's it's hard to realize that we may be the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? And I would, I would recommend everybody going back and listening to this over and over and over again to truly try to understand, OK, that's, you know, yeah, I've got to be the I've got to be the person to step first. I've got to be the person. And I can't do any of this stuff when I'm angry. Yeah. We cannot do it when we're angry. Oh, it's it's <laughs> yeah. so true. That that was my big lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's a great takeaway. And I, I agree, go back and listen to it, you know, because sometimes, I mean, you think about this, this is really a wealth of information. You guys, people pay her to, to, to tell them these things and to talk about this stuff. She's so well-read and has such a, a vast background and knowledge. So I hope that you kind of take it to heart. Um, if you're watching on, if you're watching the video on Facebook, by the way, this is just sort of like a little tease. You're not subscribed. So if you like this, if you want to see more episodes like this, be a part of it, you want to go to a podcast platform of any kind. So it can be iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Where else are we, Matt? Uh, we're on, on Google podcasts as well. That's right. Yeah, Stitcher. Um, yeah, you can SoundCloud. find us, found us on SoundCloud where it's actually hosted. There's a lot of different places you can go, but. Um, if you, if you're on a mobile device, you've got a major platform there right in front of you that you can go and find us on. And also Heath, while not here and who is now my husband, who is blameless, (laughs) now that the pie is mine would be, he would be upset if I did not explain to you also go to, uh, the podcast platform, leave a review. If you liked it, what that does is it helps this free information to get out to more people. Um, if you think that there's somebody out there who could benefit from this, Shoot him a message. Probably not like your partner. <laughs> you don't want to be offensive and be like, you need to hear this. But maybe, you know, to a friend or somebody like that. Or maybe listen listen to this together with a partner or um, or something like that. Please do share it. Leave a review if you enjoyed it. And you can shoot us a message, secondshotcast at gmail.com. If there's something that you want to give people a second shot on or if you want to hear a second shot on a certain topic. Um, so that's where to find us. We're also in the private Facebook email group. 
What is it? Facebook.com slash group slash second shot. I believe that is correct. I think if you search second shot, you'll see Ethan Jenny's picture right there. Request to join. There is one simple question. I haven't seen everybody answer it. Please answer it. What do you like most about second shot? I know some Please people want to be in the group, but don't want to answer that. Right. Some people <laughs> like, skip that guys over. Not like it. Well, I think I hit one word too and accidentally hit send. <laughs> like enter before I was finished with the anyway. Oh, so, wait, so maybe, maybe that's it. So maybe yeah. I did it wrong. Yeah. Maybe. See, look, we're not. Because I definitely want to be part of the Facebook group. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Beth. Okay, you guys, this has been really fun. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I always have fun, so much fun talking about this. If it helps one person, it is worth everything to yeah. me because I just I want everybody to realize they can have the life they want. Just get yourself some tools, give yourself a break and just own your part. Oh, so good. Beth, thank you. Matt, thank you. You rocked it out as always thank with you. that ladder behind you. Yes. <laughs> I'm keeping everything in place. I'm here to fix anything that goes wrong. Keeping it real. Yeah. Okay, you guys, we'll see you next time on Second Shot Sit Downs.